Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Well, hello again. It's nice to see you guys. Uh, you might have noticed, maybe you didn't, maybe if you're new here you didn't notice this, but uh, I'm not Brandon Kelly. And um, so... Uh, the backstory behind that, unfortunately, uh, I got the call yesterday that a pastor really never wants to get, which is, hey, by the way, I'm sick, I'm sick with the stomach bug, and you get to preach tomorrow. Um, which, he didn't just stick that on me. We actually talked about it. But um, so, yeah, so I, Brandon's sick, so be praying for him and his household, because typically that kind of stuff goes through the household, not just like for one person. Um, yeah, so my name is Mike. I'm the Worship and Connections Pastor here. So uh, if you're joining us here, joining us online for the first time, welcome to FCC. You're starting your year out on the right foot because you made it to church today. So give yourselves a round of applause. Good job, guys. Good job. Did you guys have a good new year? If you had a good new year in the comments, make sure that you say you had a good new year. But uh, the great thing about a new year is that we get to turn the page a bit. We get to turn the page and kind of look back at what last year was and look forward to what this year could be. Um, and I'm really excited that uh, we get to turn the page to a new series, which is called Prayer and Fasting. Um, so I think this is really going to be a great series for us um, as a church collectively to go through, uh, to start the year out. I think it's going to be a launch pad onto what the plans that God has for us as a church family uh, moving forward. So I'm really excited for this series. Uh, did you guys know that there are two different types of knowledge? There are two different types of knowledge. So it's really revolutionary stuff. There's real knowledge and there's pretend knowledge. And Charles Munger, who is a business partner of Warren Buffett, he often tells a story uh, that kind of illustrates this Real knowledge and pretend knowledge. He tells, uh, it says, I frequently tell this apocryphal story about how Max Planck, after he won the Nobel Prize, went around Germany giving the same standard lecture on new quantum mechanics. Over time, his chauffeur memorized the lecture and said, would you mind, Professor Planck, because it is so boring to stay in our routine, what if I gave the lecture in Munich and you just sat in the front wearing my chauffeur's hat? Plank said, why not? And after the chauffeur, so the chauffeur got up and he gave this long lecture on quantum mechanics, after which a physics professor stood up and asked a perfectly ghastly question. And the speaker said, well, I'm surprised that in an advanced city like Munich, I get such an elementary question. I'm going to ask my chauffeur to reply. You see, what he's describing is the reality that some people know of things. You know, they've learned the talk, right? They know how to get by because they know the words to say and when to say them. But others, you see, their knowledge is real. They don't just know of, but they actually know. You see, friends, and I think if we think about this, I think he's right. If we think about the, the story, you know, and I, and I certainly see this to be true. We can see this to be true in church, 
right? We know all the motions. We know the things we're supposed to do, the words we're supposed to say, if you've been in church for a while. And that's kind of the thing. And it's especially among those of us who have been in church for a while, this can ring true. You know, there are plenty of people out there who have heard and have learned and have memorized various things about God. And all they do is merely regurgitate these things about God. They don't actually live it out. So is that really like a living, breathing relationship? I don't think so. And if we're honest, we'd probably admit that we're not as close to God as we would like to be. You know, we don't, we don't hear from him as much as we want to hear from him. We don't know him as much as we want to know him. So today we are beginning a four week journey of hearing and knowing God more. We're beginning a four week journey on hearing and knowing God more. And we're going to talk about prayer and how we can step into a real communication and a deeper level of communion with God. Additionally, each week we're going to give you a very practical, specific thing to pray for. And this will be accompanied with something to fast from and something to fast for. So that's why this series is called Prayer and Fasting, not Prayer or Fasting, because we're going to accompany these things together. And my hope and our prayer for all of us is that as we know God more deeply and we obey his leading, that we'll become more effective servants of his, that we'll experience a deeper change in our lives, and that we'll, we'll see more noticeable fruit from the Spirit of God, is that we can walk in a greater freedom of the grace of God, and that we can live with a better perspective, one that's in tune with the presence and the power of God. But allow me to give you a word of warning here. The enemy doesn't want you to have a strong prayer life, a strong and an intentional prayer life. The enemy doesn't want that for you. In fact, one of the things we are going to have to be ready for throughout this series is that his attack will happen when you begin to prioritize this in your life. When you begin to prioritize an intentional prayer life, the enemy will attack you. He'll attack you with things like busyness. Attack you with even things that look good, but they're actually just kind of keeping you away from an intentional prayer life. And if there is a greater enemy of our praying that goes beyond Satan, not wanting us to do so, it's our own time management. Right? It's our busyness. That's our big, one of our biggest enemies and one of the b- biggest schemes that the enemy sends to us so that we can't have an intentional prayer life. You see, but one of the things that I find interesting, if you think about it, no one was busier than Jesus. No one had more people who tried to have their attention than Jesus while he was on earth. I mean, no one had more important work to do, right? And yet, one of the things we often see with Jesus is that he often withdraws and he prays. He gets away alone and he prays. So we kind of see this happening, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 15 today. If you guys have your Bibles, feel free to open those. 
Uh, if you have your smartphones, Luke chapter 5, verse 15. But kind of what's happening before this is that Jesus, um, he's, he's starting, he just kind of started his ministry. He started, did, you know, according to Luke's account, he did some healings and wasn't welcome in his own hometown. And he's kind of searching for his disciples. Well, he happens to find one, which is Simon, right? His, he calls his first disciple. He says, come with me, I'll make you a fisher of men. Right, so we see this happening, and then Jesus goes to another town, and on his way there, there's a man with leprosy that stops him and says, Lord, if you're willing, if you're willing, will you heal me? And of course, Jesus is willing to heal him, so he does. But then Jesus says, oh, you know, don't, don't tell anybody about this. Go to the, go to the temple. Give them the other you know, thing that the law of Moses tells you to give. And I always love it. This is one of the things that I love about when Jesus heals people. He goes, hey, you're healed. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I'm going to tell everybody. Like, if Jesus heals me of something, I'm going to go and I'm going to tell everybody on my way to the temple. And then when I get to the temple to pay my little tax, I'm going to tell the priest about it as well. Right? Like, that's what we're going to do. And even if this guy didn't tell anybody, he was probably a walking testimony because people with leprosy were like, they were the people that were left outside of the city gates because they were like, were, it's a disease, it's gross, okay? But they were left outside of the city gates because they didn't want to spread their leprosy to people. And so when people see this guy who they've seen outside of the city gates probably quite a bit, and he suddenly doesn't have leprosy, that's a, that's a big deal. So you can imagine that Jesus... It's starting to get pretty popular. That's kind of what we look at in, in, in verse 15. But here's the thing we need to remember about Jesus. He was becoming really popular. And he could have been very consumed with what he was going to do or what he was doing, right? He could have consumed himself with all of this. But he didn't. He was focused on the task at hand. But he also realized that he needed to get away and he needed time to connect with his heavenly father. So Jesus didn't do that, right? He didn't consume himself. What did he do? Let's look at Luke chapter 5, verse 15. It says, But the news about him spread even more. This is after he healed the man of leprosy. The news about him spread even more, and large crowds would come to get together to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Verse 16, Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Let me ask you a question. If you were that popular, would you do that? You don't have to answer that. But the thing we need to understand about Jesus is that he was busy. Right? Understand that. He had a lot on his plate. And everywhere that Jesus went, he had people pulling in 15 different directions. Wanting to spend time with him. Wanting to have him heal them or heal a family member or wanting to hear him preach or tell a story or, hey, Jesus, can you tell me my favorite parable? You, or maybe getting some wise counsel from Jesus. Jesus had a lot of people who were pulling at him. But see, Jesus, what he had to do and what we have to do is Jesus had to do the difficult work of fighting for his time. He had to fight for his time. And the same, like I said, is true for us, we have to fight for our time. All of us have what sometimes seems like an endless list of responsibilities. Right? We all have an abundance of commitments. We all probably have a list, list of tasks 
in our minds of all the things that we have to do and we have to get done at some point. If you're like me, you probably have it written down somewhere. Like I have a big whiteboard in my office and I have all these tasks that I have to do weekly written down because you can ask my wife on this. I will forget if it's not there. We've got work. We've got family. We've got friendships. We've got homes. We've got stuff. We've got interests. We've got a lot of things in our lives that call out to us to spend time on. And in addition to all that, we have TV shows, movies, social media feeds, TikTok videos, YouTube videos, podcasts, books, magazines, news, talk shows, video games, newspapers, you name it. There's a lot of stuff out there that is calling out for us to spend time on. But if we're going to hear from God and experience Him on a personal level and ultimately know Him more deeply, we must, we must, let me say it again, we must fight for the time to pray and the time to be with Him. Keep this in mind. To hear from God we must spend time with him. To hear from God, we must spend time with him. It's so simple, right? To hear from God, we must spend time with him. It's so simple, but it's so vital. So how do we achieve this? What are, how can we achieve this time with God? What is Well, let me ask you this. What is prayer? What is prayer? I believe, and we believe that there are two components to prayer. Right, so there's two different ways that we can achieve this. We can communicate to God, we can communicate to God, and we can commune with God. We can communicate with God, and we can commune with God. And see, the good, great thing about this is that God, He does the same thing with us. Right, that still small voice of the Holy Spirit that it may communicate with us in this. And the Lord, He does commune with us. And he, t he assures us, right, surely I'm with you till the end of the age. That's what Jesus' last words in Matthew are. Remember, surely I'm with you till the end of the age. So we know that God's with us. But here's the thing is that it's in this time of prayer, it's in this time of prayer of communi communication and communion that we have are spending quality time with God. And it's in this prayer that we teach our mind and our soul and our body to draw near to God. Because Scripture says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. And for all of us, this doesn't come naturally in the beginning. I'm not going to sit here and preach to you and pretend that I'm perfect at this. It doesn't come naturally in the beginning. But as we continue to develop an intentional prayer life, our mind, our soul, our body... They will all desire to spend time with God in this way. So communion, or sorry, communication and communion. What does that actually look like? What does that look like? Well, let's start with communication. So communication, like we bring our concerns and we bring our hopes and our baggage and all that fun stuff to God, right? But it's not just that, right? A lot of us, like we get the basics of prayer, right? We bring we, we pray, we bring God our concerns and our requests and the things that we're wrestling with or worried about, the things that we see in the future or maybe in the present that may be problematic for us or for someone else, a, a friend or a family member who's dealing with a health issue. That's a, that's a concern. 
And it's in those moments, it's not hard to figure out what to communicate to God. When we have something that we're hoping for, it's simple, right? We deeply desire a spouse. We deeply desire to get that new house or that new job. We desire for reconciliation in our relationships with our spouses or with our kids or with our family members. It's in those moments it's not hard to figure out what to communicate with the Lord. See, we share with him our hopes and we ask him to make those happen. But what else? What else do we communicate to God? And as we, you know, as we grow in this self-awareness of this intentional prayer life and communicating with God, and as the Holy Spirit does its work in our hearts or his work in our hearts, we start to become aware of all the baggage that we so often carry around with us. We become especially aware of, of a, a hindrance, maybe of our past, that can be, you know, of what that hindrance to our past can be to our present, and how easy it is for those things to become barriers between who we are and who God wants us to be. So we begin asking him to search our hearts and, we sh- and, and show us where we need to replace the lies we've been believing with the truths from him. Well, let me repeat that. We begin to ask him to search, ask him to search our hearts and show us where we need to replace the lies we've been believing with the truths from him. We bring all the bags, no matter what they are, and we ask him to deal with us and deal with them with grace and with truth. So that's part of it. But as I've said, prayer is not just about communication. But that is, however, where a lot of us stop. We stop at communication. We don't go to communion. So prayer is also about communing with God, which essentially is spending time with him, communing with him. You see, I believe that we need to expand our definition of prayer because so often we only look at the time when we fold our hands and close our eyes and we thank him for our food and ask him for all our concerns and we begin speaking to God, you know, whether it's audibly, maybe you don't want to pray out loud, so you pray, you know, inside, and, you know, and then we run out of words to say, and, and then we end our prayer. And then what? You know, so I'm not saying that's not prayer. So while that is prayer, it's not the whole picture. It's not the whole picture. Prayer that is communing with God is when we slow our minds down, we slow our bodies down, and allow our soul to become singularly focused on God. When we slow everything down and our one singular focus is God. You see, I believe there's a reason that Jesus withdrew from the noise of his day. And he prayed and he didn't just pray anywhere. He prayed in deserted places. He silenced his environment, right? His outer life, if you will. And he also silenced his inner life. And we, we have to do the same thing. We must do the same thing at times in our day to slow down and to be with the Lord. There's a few ways to do this. Um, just maybe if you're looking for some tips, I don't have a lot, but 
Um, something that might, might help you is to simplify your words. So when you're praying, you don't need to pray this amazing prayer that has all these amazing words that you have to use your dictionary to look up. You can simply just pray to God and be real with him and use words that you understand that you're not. So this, that whole regurgitating thing we're talking about, we're not doing that anymore. You can slow down your breathing. So when you're in your quiet, you go to your quiet place to pray, focus on your breathing, slow it down, and then focus on God. And intentionally what this does is this helps you practice the presence of God. Because as we said before, God is with us. And that changes everything, right? So God is with us. So practicing the presence of God. But this isn't easy. Right? This isn't easy. I'm not sitting here saying this is easy. We have so many distractions, so many things on our minds, that slowing down like this is very difficult. You know, it's kind of like uh, the story of a professor and a monk. So the story is that this learned professor goes and to visit this old monk who is he's famous for his wisdom. He's been made famous for his wisdom. So the monk graciously welcomes him into his temple and he offers him a seat on, on a cushion. And no sooner that the professor sat down, he started to talk. And he launched into a long and a wordy account of his own accomplishments and his own knowledge and his own theories and his own opinions. The monk sat there, listened quietly for a while. And then he asked politely, hey, would you like some tea? The professor nodded and smiled, and well, he kept right on talking. The monk handed him a teacup, and he grabbed a big old pot of tea, and he started to pour the tea into the cup. The tea rose to the rim of the cup, but the monk kept right on pouring. And while the professor, he kept right on talking. Finally, the professor notices what's happening, and he gets up and says, Hey, what are you doing? Can't you see that this cup is overflowing? I'm not talking about the good kind of, you know, my cupeth overfloweth. Like, cupeth overfloweth. I'm not talking about the good kind of overflow here. Like, it's overflowing. He's like, what are you doing? And the monk replies, this cup is like your mind. It can't take in anything new because it's already full. You know, I wonder how many of us in this room could e or online could easily be that professor. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be like, maybe we're not very talkative. We're not as talkative on the outside as a professor, but like inside of our minds, like there's this constant noise. There's this, you know, you're constantly having a conversation with yourself. You're, there's this constant volume going on inside your head. But what occupies your mind? I mean, if you, well, here's the thing we have to understand as well. Never in the history of human beings have we had access to as much information as we do right now. Like if you have a cell phone or if you have access to the internet in any shape or form, you have the ability to know about more things than you could ever handle. But you see, it's not good for our souls to be bombarded with as much information as we are bombarded with on a daily basis. And I think deep down we know this. Deep down we know this because for a lot of us gathering, you know, when you try to gather your thoughts and there's so much happening, you can't. Like you just can't. It gets harder and harder to do that. 
You know, it's hard for a lot of us to think deeply because there's so much happening, let alone pray fervently. We just bounce from headline to headline, from news feed to news feed, from video to video, from picture to picture, from post to post, from channel to channel. But Jesus shows us that in the midst of that growing noise around us, he shows us that one of the things we have to do, the thing that we have to do is we must withdraw and pray. See, Jesus understood this, and we need to understand this. It's to hear, to hear and to know God, we must spend time with him. To hear and to know God, we must spend time with him. In, in Matthew chapter 4, there's, uh, it's the, Jesus is, is he's anticipating his ministry, and he's led by the Spirit out into the wilderness. Uh, and what does he do for 40 days? He, he fasts and he prays. And that means, like, when I talk about fasting, I'm saying, like, no food, just water for 40 days. But why would he fast like that? What, what would, what's the purpose of? And I think it's because if you think about it, prayer and fasting, they go hand in hand. That's why this series is called Prayer and Fasting, right? Because they go hand in hand. Fasting, when we talk about fasting and prayer, fasting is like pouring supernatural fuel on your prayers. When you fast from something and in, and the, in the midst of the fasting you are praying, it's like pouring supernatural fuel on your prayers. And what we see in Matthew 4 is just one of the numerous examples of how fasting and prayer go hand in hand in the Bible. Uh, if, we, if we look, here, here's, here's some examples. Daniel chapter 9. Uh, this is when Daniel is asking God to bring his people back into the land that he had given them. He says, So I turned my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and petitions with, that, with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. So prayer and fasting. In Esther chapter 4, this is an anticipation of Esther speaking to the king on the behalf of her people who were about to get schemed into genocide, essentially. Um, and also, by the way, Esther could have been killed for even approaching the king without him approaching her. But she did it anyway. It's a great story, by the way. But it says this in verse 16. Go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my female servants will also fast in the same way. After that, I will go to the king, even if it's against the law. If I perish, I perish. So we see yet again the importance of prayer and fasting and how they can be, how they go hand in hand. In Ezra chapter 8, this is where Ezra is they're praying for a safe return along their journey back to Jerusalem. It says, so we fasted and pleaded with our God about this, and he was receptive to our prayer. Nehemiah chapter 1, in response to hearing that Jerusalem's wall was broken and the gates were burned, this is what Nehemiah says. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept. I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of the heavens. So as we can see, prayer and fasting go hand in hand. And the great thing about fasting is that it is supernatural fuel 
to your prayers. And so the reason that we call this series prayer and fasting is because one of the things we're going to do is we're going to incorporate fasting into our prayers, and we're going to do this corporately as a church family together. And just to kind of give you a glimpse of the future, where we're going to be going with some of our themes, this week is the theme number one is hearing from God. Theme number two, next week we're going to talk about repentance. Uh, theme three, the following week we're going to talk about growth, prayer for growth. And the last week we're going to talk about, we're going to have a prayer of revival. So where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? How can we hear and know God better? I think a couple of simple steps, maybe some things that you guys can do to, is number one, ask God for the desire to pray. Let's start simple. Let's start there. Ask God for the desire to pray and maybe the awareness to pray throughout the day. Number two, commit. Commit to reading the Bible regularly. You hear us say that often. It's our first core step. Read the Bible. But if you want to have communication and communion with God in one place, it's right here in the Bible. It's a living, breathing word. It's active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. The Bible. Read your Bible regularly, and you will have communication and communion with God. Number three. Focus your mind on the Lord. Focus your mind on the Lord. There are a million other things out there that are pulling at you and pulling you different directions and all these things you have to do, but stop. Focus your mind on the Lord. And the last thing that you can do, pour fuel on your prayer by periodically fasting. Pour fuel on your prayer by periodically fasting. And so what we're going to do corporately, like I said, as, as a church family, each week throughout this series, we are going to fast from something for hearing from God. We're going to fast from something for hearing from God. This week, we're going to fast from social media for hearing from God. So it can, it can be any kind of media, right? If you have a cell phone, anything like that, we're going to fast from that kind of media, those things that would occupy our mind, whether that's a movie, a TV show, we're going to fast from that for hearing from God. And maybe you're sitting there asking yourself, well, that sounds great, Mike, but how, how often do I have to fast? Allow me some suggestions here. Fast half the day. Fast the entire day from social media. Fast maybe a couple of days. Hey, if you want to be a part of the club, fast the whole week. But we're going to fast from social media or any other types of media that we use for hearing from God this week. Friends, remember to know or to hear and to know God we must spend time with them. To hear and to know God, we must spend time with Him. So let's use some of the time that we spend on that social media or any other thing that we have, media, and let's substitute that 
with prayer this week. Let me leave you this. You know, we talk a lot about discipleship up here. And, and as we close, I want you to wrestle with this question as you pray and fast this week. I'm going to wrestle with it too with you. What is discipling you? What is discipling you? Is it TikTok? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? Is it CNN? Is it Fox News? Is it the news banner? What is discipling you? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things. But friends, don't be deceived by the the deceiver. We are called to be disciples of none other than our Lord, Jesus Christ. And if that is not what your driving force is, if that is not where your priorities are, then take your time in prayer this week and refocus those priorities. God deserves our time. He deserves more than a shell of a human that we sometimes bring him because we are too busy. Let's give him that this week and all the following weeks of this year. What is discipling you? Would you guys stand rear going to pray and then we're going to sing out to our awesome God. Father, wow, I'm just, uh, I'm in awe of you. I'm in awe of your, of your presence, of the way that you want to enter into our lives, the way that you love us. God, I pray that this week, as we fast, from that social media or any other media or anything that anything that distracts us from you, God. I pray that you would make this time fruitful, that you would make this time a time where we can hear from you, where we can know you better. God, give us the desire to pray. Give us the desire to want to know you more. Give us the strength to fight for our time. Give us the strength and the knowledge and the discernment to know what is good for us, what comes from you, and what comes from the enemy, God. God, as we go out into our lives, allow this, just your spirit to, to wash over us. God, for us to have a sense of your presence in our lives. God, allow us to let your son Jesus disciple us not this world not anything this world offers but you alone you are worthy of our time you are worthy of our praise you are worthy of our adoration God hear us as we sing to you this morning we pray this in your son's name Jesus amen thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton Indiana for more information visit fccfamily.com